Hi, I'm your host, Karina Gantis, and you're listening to a special edition of Behind the Pen for the NAPOD POMO National Podcast Post Month. Hi, everyone. I'm Karina Gantis, your host for Behind the Pen. Welcome to another episode. I'm an award-winning author of 14 books. I'm an award-winning filmmaker. I'm a podcaster, YouTuber, booktuber. I run Author Assist, which helps authors with their marketing and promotion. And I'm also the host of the radio show Author Assist on the Artist Fest Radio Network. Enough about me. I'd like to introduce my very special guest today. Uh, her name is Lindy Alexander. Welcome to the show, Lindy. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. Um, in the writing community, we know Lindy as Babs, so I'm going to refer to her as Babs. But if you need to find her for her amazing books, it's uh, Lindy L Y N D I Alexander. And also she has a pen name for another um, exciting series, which we will talk about during this chat. So as I was going to say, behind the pen is for anyone who holds a pen. But I've already said that you're an author, so we don't need to go through that bit. Um, how did it start with you, Lindy? I mean, when did you first get the writing bug? Were you young? Were you at school, college? Or was it late later on in life? Oh, it was definitely when I was eight years old. Wow. Yeah, I, I wrote a step-by-step -step story about how my cat ate a dead rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know it's not necessarily the best topic ever, although some of my author friends would say it's right in my line since I always have dead people in my books. So did everyone. Yeah, we have to kill them off anyway. We but, do. Um, eight years old. Wow. So was this something you did for yourself or for something for school and the teachers freaked out? Or, I mean, what? <laughs> uh, no, I, I did it for myself. I was watching it and I just started writing it down and making it into a story. And then uh, I did give it to my teacher who gave it to the principal who then Oops. read it in front of the whole class. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, I was kind of embarrassed, but I guess it was a good sign because it, I went on to write something else after that. Did you, um, I mean, the first thing you ever got published where you were actually paid for it, was that your book or did you do any freelance writing? Uh, I did. I, the first piece I got paid for, I was 18. It was a newspaper piece talking about my grandmother's farm in Indiana, which mm -hmm. is in the U.S. And uh, I got five whole dollars. And I thought I was on my way. Well, you are on your way because you can use the magical words that I am a published writer. And they are powerful words when you have that it's an incentive no matter how much you got paid mine for my first was a ten dollar and it's still framed as a check up in my <laughs> office i never yep. cashed it everyone said why didn't you cash it and then just do a photograph of it and frame that i was like no i couldn't i can't do that it had to be the original but anyway um so uh it, it's an incentive to, to keep going it's knowing that that people want to read your work that your work is worth something and yeah. that people want to hear what you have to say 
um, I didn't do much freelance after that. I went straight on to my uh, flash fiction and then um, novels. But uh, how did it progress for you after you got your first uh, check? Well, I had uh, I had written two novel manuscripts in my teens, uh, which are horrid because I've read them since, and I oh man, they were bad. <laughs> um, as part of my college experience, I wrote a third novel with a a mentor who helped me work through that. It was not so horrible but not great and then after college um i became a journalist and oh. worked for a newspaper yeah, so i worked for a newspaper for, yeah yeah for five <laughs> years and that was a great experience uh, it was a small paper and so i could pretty much do what i wanted wow so it uh, you know i would say hey you know i want to know about flying an Air Force jet. And so I would call up the Air Force base that was by our town. And I got to uh, fly in the F4 simulator oh my at the base. Gosh. That was amazing. I okay. killed a $7 million plane in less than 10 seconds. Wow. <laughs> which is why they don't let you file the real one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, being a journalist was a great foundation for a yeah. novelist career yeah most definitely and what is that i mean i've got to ask you you did just that you couldn't have been five years just had the excitement of doing that simulator i mean what else did you get up to while you're a reporter with that uh, small newspaper i created a series called a day in the life which uh won several state awards uh, we went around, you know, I, I would just, anybody that I wanted to find out what they did, I would go out with my photographer and we would spend, you know, several hours with them and find out what they did and then come back and write about it at the newspaper. Uh, that was fascinating. Uh, I mean, we got to interview all kinds of famous people that came through because it was just south of Miami. So there mm. were always... Um, you know, we had opportunities to go into the city and interview people who were coming through. Also, the National Hurricane Center was in Miami. And so I developed a good working relationship with the director of the Hurricane Center. And we got to do all kinds of interesting interviews uh, in Miami during hurricane season, obviously, which is a real concern. Did you go chasing them? Did you, did you go chasing the hurricanes with the, with those uh, hurricane chasers? Uh, we always, we didn't go out in the plane. No, that would have been exciting. Uh, we always <laughs> covered them though. And even on days when it was pouring rain, like I remember the one day uh, it was Tropical Storm Frederick. The editor's like, go out and find some stories. And we're like, there's 22 inches of rain outside. We don't want to go out there. <laughs> and he's like, no, you can find something. Go do it. So, you know, we're out driving around in 22 inches of rain going, well, it's wet. <laughs> you know, it's not, a whole, not a whole lot else to do walking around out there. <laughs> oh, how wonderful, wonderful experiences. So... When you left the newspaper, uh, what did you do then? 
I went to law school. Wow. Because what else do you do if you want to be a writer? I, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was just really inspired to go to law school. My uh, One of the lawyers that I covered for the paper said he thought it would be great. And I felt like as a journalist, I could write about things that were happening. And sometimes it would help people because it would bring things to the attention of the authorities or whoever. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel like I was doing enough. So mm -hmm. I wanted to go to law school to get a little more power behind my, my work you to would. see if I could really help people in the long run. And, and did you, I mean, did you carry on with it? Did you leave with a degree or did you leave thinking oh, I've made a mistake with that? Oh, no, I did the thing. I, I graduated and passed the bar and practiced oh, law wow. for 30 years. <gasps> wow. What kind of law? Uh, domestic law, uh, divorces and adoptions and custody and family things. Wow. 30 years. But you had some experiences with that as well. And all that became uh, part of the background for the novels that I would write. I have a series uh, called the Pittsburgh Lady Lawyers. And in that series, all the heroines of the books are women practicing law in the state of Pennsylvania, as I did. So I got to use a lot of my experience that I gained uh, to put that series together. Oh, what um, <clears throat> what genre would you say that would fall into? Uh, they are uh, all uh, romantic suspense. Oh, the romantic suspense. So, so the the lady lawyers uh, uh, have a a nice romance with uh, someone. They have a romance, but they're also in trouble <sighs> because lawyers find lots of ways to get themselves in trouble. Into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good. How how does it uh, how was it um, received by uh, readers? How's it been doing that series? Uh, that series has been uh, steadily popular. I get a lot of compliments for um, drawing the city of Pittsburgh uh, <laughs> in good detail the way it is. People who read it say, "Oh yeah, it definitely feels like this place or that place that are in the story." Because I, I did spend quite a bit of time in the city, um, you know, just soaking up the ambience. Mm -hmm. How many books is in that series? Uh, there are three books in that series as of now. It's a trilogy. Oh, you're going to do some more. Oh, I never know what I'm going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> you're the same as me. I love that. I love that. So, um, that's uh, tell tell our listeners what the name you because you use a different name for that series, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, that that would be uh, those three are by Alana Lawrence. I know it's kind of confusing. I have all these names, but when I started writing novels, I was still practicing law, and so I thought, well, I'll use my real name. And I started off writing fantasy series about elves in the forest. And then I thought, well, people who are trying to find an attorney may not take me very seriously if they know I'm writing about elves in the forest. So then I created the Lindy Alexander name to for my fantasy stuff. And then, you know, 
you know how it is when you're writing in multiple genres, your reader will, um, you know, they pick up a Lindy Alexander book and they have certain expectations about what that book is going to be about. And so my romantic suspense didn't quite match up with that. So that's when I added Alana Lawrence as a new pseudonym to uh, cover the romance books. And if you went in a totally different way to another genre, would you go with a different pen name again? Probably. Wow. I, I write in nearly every single genre and I, I've kept my name through all of it from erotica to young adult fantasy to thriller to horror. I'm just Karina Gantus. I can't imagine because of being two people having two newsletters and two fan pages and two Facebook accounts, you know, it's like you are, you, you're two different people. Right. It wasn't so bad when I just had a blog and the Facebook pages. But, you know, as these things evolve, they expect authors to be all over the map now. Yeah. So I only have one Twitter page just because I barely manage that. <laughs> and so trying to have two two pages would really be really out there for me. And then, of course, you've got Instagram and then you've got all this news. Every time you turn around, there's a new social platform, platform you're supposed yeah. to be on. And, uh, you know. I may catch up sometime, but, you know, there aren't too many tricks you can teach this old dog. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about fantasy because I write fantasy. Uh, I mean, what, who or what inspired you to go into that genre? That first book, The Elves in the Forest, was it a film, a book you read? Was it something you've seen? Did, was it a dream? Um. Actually, it, it occurred to me one day because my brain is, I don't know, <laughs> my brain is weird. Um, it occurred to me that if you saw a glass slipper on the sidewalk of your town, would you try it on or not? And so it's actually starts off as a Cinderella story. Wow. Because my heroine in the Elf Queen does exactly that. She and her friend are walking down the street and there's a glass slipper there. And her friend's like, you should try that on. And she's she's kind of a sarcastic person who doesn't really believe in magic or love or anything. But she does. And when she steps in the glass slipper, it breaks but then a bunch of little men come out of the blood on the sidewalk and run off into the shadows. Ooh. So then she has to deal with the consequences of that. I can only but imagine. That's where, that's where it started out. <laughs> but I mean, you just had that thought one day of a glass slipper on the sidewalk. It wasn't a dream. It was actually just a nope. thought that popped into your head. There, there are an awful lot of what ifs in this world, and I don't know yeah. why. I tend to think of a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> we do have wonderful, weird, and wacky brains to solve this. It's amazing stuff we can. I up think with. that's true. Yeah, but do you like fantasy itself? I mean, do you watch the films? Do you read books in that genre? I have. Um, I'm probably lean a little more sci-fi than fantasy. Hmm. But um, when I was younger, I read Anne McCaffrey's Pern books, 
with the dragons. And those have always been just about my favorites of all time. Aww. Yeah, I, I don't I don't read a lot of the modern uh, fantasy books just because I have time to write and then I kind of run out of spoons, as they say. Uh, and so I have to, you know, it's either, am I going to read or am I going to write? And most days I would much rather write. So I would like to read all the good stuff I see out there. And maybe I mean, one of these days I will. It, it is important for an author to read. It inspires them, it motivates them, um, gives them ideas where to go or, or, you know, what to write next. And it's not, not, it's not copying, it's just a motivation reading to read books. I soak up, when I'm in one of my zones, we'll call it, um, I've picked a, some reason something's uh, clicked on to me and I've got this passion to read books from this one genre. And I read, watch all the films, I read all the books until I'm ready to write my own. And uh, I've done that in every single zone when I was doing my fantasy duology, when I was doing my MC thrillers, now I'm doing my dark romance, uh, mafia. Um, it's like I'm, I'm passionate and I have to just binge on everything in that genre until I'm finally satisfied and my addiction has been you know quenched and my thirst thirst has been quenched and I'm okay and then until it happens again with another genre <laughs> <laughs> that's great I, I just I admire you to be able to write so many different kinds of books um that's one of the things that I think is is really important for me is you know I have a number of friends who write romance say and they do this cookie cutter romance every three months they just spit out another one and they're all almost all the same yeah and and i and i i don't write to a formula basically i have a what if moment mm -hmm. and then i write that story bingo. even if it's not to the market even bingo, if it's not bingo. like anything else you write for you exactly yeah that's how it should it's be. A, this is the book that I would like to read. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. They said to me, oh, who do you write for? Who's your reader? And I was like, I write for me. I don't I don't write for the marketplace or the readers out there. I don't know right. what's selling and, and what's not. It's uh, I write because I, I have to write that book. I mean, when you know yes. you've got to write that book, it won't leave you alone. The 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 voices in your head, the characters just won't leave you alone until you sit down and you write that book. And even then they won't leave you alone because they're always telling you where to go <laughs> and, and introducing themselves and saying, oh, I should be in this book or I should, or you should write a whole book about me. <laughs> you know, a side character is not happy about being a side character anymore. <laughs> That's it right. sounds crazy, That's right. but it's true. I it don't know. True. And and. <laughs> Yeah, and then you lay down at night and you're trying to go to sleep and, and then you your plot keeps coming up and yeah. going, hey, what are you going to do with me next? How are yeah. we going to solve this problem? What is we it going to do with that? We get up at five, six o'clock in the morning and go to our computer. We get it out and then we can go back to sleep. Oh, I finally gotten to where I will pick up my cell phone in the middle of the night 
and dictate dictate myself an email and send it because awesome. I know if I get out of bed I won't go back to sleep right, but I, you know I've just got to remember this idea before it yep. goes because if you wait till morning it is out there yep. yeah back in the day I had a dictaphone and I didn't know where I was I could be in the supermarket and I'd just whip it out say what I need to say <laughs> uh, people would look at me really strange but like you say, if at that moment, if you don't get it out, you'll right. lose it. And that is, um, you know, by having that scene flash in your head, you know, by having that dialogue said that it needs to be put in the book, that it's gold. And so you need to write that down. You need to have some sort of um, evidence of um, notes somewhere, whether you've got a notepad and pen with you or like you say, the mobile phone, just whip it out and, and get that idea down or, or email yourself to remind you about it. Hello, pussy cat. Um, <laughs> they, they probably, people probably thought you were really uh, important back there in the day. You know, you're walking around <laughs> with your dictaphone. No, no. If you hear the stuff that I was saying into it, <laughs> it wouldn't have been about importers. It would have been about, oh, she needs a loony bin. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be out in the car and my husband would be driving and I'd come out and get me that phone and I'd start talking and he'd be looking at me thinking where is it coming from what are you going on about what are you doing but it's all gold it really is it's all gold it's amazing when you're in the zone we don't know how long it lasts but when you're in the zone that's when gold comes out and so we need to to work work our asses off when we're in the zone because once uh, the that feeling's gone you can then work on what you've already written <coughs> and start uh, doing some edits and everything until you're in the next zone um but it doesn't unfortunately it doesn't last all the way through the book you have stages where you're on and off <laughs> that's for sure i mean how long would it take you to a normal book how what's the average for you uh, about six months for the first draft for the first draft i have a wonderful wonderful critique group that i lost when i moved to north carolina because they were back in pennsylvania and then after covid they went to zoom so i could actually join back up with them again oh, which is real I, I've, I've had four books since that because oh. it's a it's a great group and we talk, uh, we do critiques on Thursday evenings, and we have a online writing session on Saturday evenings. Sprints, yeah. And um, it's just been really great. Oh, that's, I'm so glad you were able to get in, because, I mean, you were face-to-face -face with them when you were um Back in living. Pennsylvania, and then I lost them all together, yeah, which was really yeah. sad. Yeah, and then, and then you got them back on and then you have Zoom meetings, aren't that so cool? I don't have a critic group. I've never had a critic uh -oh. group. No, I've never been part of a, a thing like that. I don't know if I'd have the time. I'm just so, so busy. Um, but, I mean, I only have the weekends to even write, edit, or read uh, my own work um, uh -huh. and promote my own work because I'm promoting everybody else's during the week. But um, <laughs> let's... Um, this uh i've got elves in the forest okay and i've got cinderella in my head and all for this for me is a fairy tale fantasy where does the sci-fi part come in um 
I also write science fiction separate. I mean, separately. There's the the elves series is at one fantasy series, but I have a space opera series uh, called the Horizon Crossover series. Um, I have several sci-fi romance books, mm. uh, which is kind of a new thing that's coming out where the romance is just as important as the science fiction section of the story. Um, and then I have a couple of standalone science fiction books that are uh, mostly space-based. And I guess they'd be what you call soft science fiction. I mean, I, I studied a lot of science, but if you want me to explain warp engines and, you know, all that, I'm, I'm going to sound like somebody on Star Trek, but I'm not going to know any more than they do. <laughs> Were you into, I mean, you into those uh, kind of things, Star Wars and Star Trek? Oh, yeah. When you talk yeah. about watching all the all the parts of everything, yeah, I've always watched uh yeah star wars and all the star treks and i we got to watch the new dune movie the other day which was oh, how lovely. was it I, yeah it was wonderful yeah it was about it, it i mean i like the earlier david lynch movie as well even yeah, though it classic. was a, a little a little cornier than this one i mean this one is <laughs> this one is dead serious wow so it's uh yeah it was really that. good cat you are not what about what about famous authors? Uh, who who do you? I know you don't do much reading now, but who was it you were reading that got you uh, oh, motivated into um, science sci-fi? Isaac Asimov and let's see, Ursula K. Le Guin, who probably is about six of one, half a dozen of the other. Madeline Langle and A Wrinkle in Time was one of my favorites when I was a kid. Mm. And then I also um, write in the in the Stephen King kind of psychological horror slash thriller slash sci-fi, mm. depending on which book of his you're looking at. Is it's kind of all of those. I, I've, I'm not into Stephen King. I prefer his movies myself. But I think more more of a psychological horror. I would say with Dean Koontz. Uh, he's terrifying. Oh, he yes. he writes about stuff that could be happening right now, and that's what Absolutely. makes it scary. You like him as well, huh? <laughs> I love him. I love him. Yeah, I love his books in case. and they're easy reads. Whereas Stephen King, he's a really, he's tough to read his books. He's such such a creative writer that he takes like three pages to describe something that you really don't need <laughs> in that book. So when I when I do try and read one of his books, I'm skipping so many pages because uh, I want to get to the nitty gritty. I want to get to the action. I want to get to the plot, yeah. you know. So uh, so uh, so how many books altogether have you published so far? So far, there are twenty three. Wow! And I have one coming out in January. And I have one also coming out in May next year already. And are these all independently published or you have contracts? I have contracts for all of them. I I got my rights back on one book and I thought, oh, I see everybody out there doing their own books. And I got about three steps into it and went, wow, I know why I let somebody else do all my books. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> 
it's really hard. Uh, if are you a are you self publisher? I'm both. I'm with contract, <laughs> hybrid, and self published. Yeah. Oh well, mm -hmm. I, I give really? everybody everybody credit who does it themselves because there is a lot of work involved. The, the trouble is with a with a publisher, it's uh, it's hard to get hold of one that's not going to uh, uh, scam you or to to take all your money and, and run. And so many vanity presses still out there. Um, so to actually get a, a proper publisher, that they're, they're it's hard to to get uh, a contract with them. I mean. Because you do sci-fi and fantasy, as uh, Linda Alexander, Lindy Alexander, is that mm -hmm. with the same publisher for all of those books? A lot of them, not all of them, but probably, I think I have 10 with one publisher. We had a really good experience with the Elf Queen, and uh, I followed up with the rest of that series. And then when I had other science fiction, she was right on to uh she was very happy to the editor was happy to add me to her uh collection there so yeah i've been i've been pretty fortunate with my publishers i mean none of them are double day or harlequin no but they but... have they they have all been on the up and up and treated me very well are they actually helping with the marketing and promotion of the books no <laughs> that's all you, huh? Eh? Yeah, that's a problem with small press is they have it zero is. budget or people for that. Yeah. But that's one of the things since I've retired as a lawyer, I do have considerably more time to uh help do all that. So, um, you know, my my checks are actually getting bigger and bigger. Um Good. when I started out, I was getting royalty checks for three dollars and 47 cents yeah in that which you know sounded sounded lovely because it was a check on the other hand you know <laughs> so do you do you have a, a pa or a va or a team that helps you with your promotion nope it's all me it's all you and you do you use um amazon advertising or um facebook advertising I don't do a lot of advertising. I, I have done some ads. I haven't really seen much result from them. No. I, I'm fortunate with the Wild Rose Press in that the authors there uh, have, are, have a great support group. And so basically we all spend time promoting uh, each other's books. Right. And, you know, featuring each other on, on, on the blog and uh tweeting uh new releases and all that kind of stuff that's, so that's good I, I know at least that you know i have a bigger spread mm. um what's that word a bigger reach than just what i can do and so that's very helpful but i mean where are these sales coming from if you you don't you have like two platforms only you don't do a lot of promotion so do you think it's more word of mouth I, th I think so. I mean, I know that everybody wants to do Twitter posts and send out, you know, retweet this for me. And personally, I have never bought a book because of something I saw on Twitter. I, I don't know if people do. I don't, I don't have any way it's of knowing. It's a dump knowing. and run. It's a dump and run. It's basically yeah. just to show your book, show the cover. And if someone catch, it catches someone's eye and they click on it, great. 
but it's just basically to show you show off uh, who you are and and your books uh, no one yeah. does any um business on there there's hardly any communication anymore um it's a lot so much politics on there as well which uh, well but but then we have the problems with facebook as well i mean the way they've been treating their authors on facebook and putting down building the wall higher and higher for us to get over and uh, that's making it difficult for promotion on, on Facebook now. So people are going to other platforms. They are trying new things. You've got to go with the times, Babs, you know, if you want to keep on going. Are you the sort of the author that used to go to the cons and do author signings and readings and stuff? I love to do that. Um, I've actually uh, taught classes online at a couple cons since COVID. But yeah, before COVID, um, I did it, you know, anytime I could go, I would get a table and, yeah. you know, just talk to readers when they came by and uh, get to meet people. And I, I think that's great. That's where you get I mean, your that sales is, that's great from. Fun. That's where you get your sales from. It's face-to-face -face communication mm -hmm. um, because they get to know who you are and they're really interested. I've just met an author and then they'll look at your books and see which one that might interest them and you get a sale when you're online um and you've only got what these people are with doing a buy my post books which uh don't work anymore buy my book posts that don't work anymore oh gosh no you have to think out of the box you know they want to see that you can write they want to see your kind of writing style they want to know what they're going to get so we're talking narration excerpts uh, review quotes because of course it's not from uh, authors going to shout and scream about how amazing their books are but when you hear from someone who's actually read the book then that makes it worthwhile you take notice of reviews so review quotes excerpts to show you can actually write um, any awards of course you put them down um, yeah you've just got to get out of the box and if people are going to take notice of any promotion you do online it's got to really catch them. It's got to be different to what everybody else is doing. Right, right, right. But you, I mean, you're doing something right. I mean, you, you're getting your checks, so something's <laughs> something's working for you, Bass. I I hope so. I hope it keeps on. I mean, you know, I'm I'm trying to learn the new things, and I can't wait until everything is open again so that we can go out and do this. Yeah, it won't be long now. I mean, pe people have been opening. They've been very um, secure with the um, uh, making sure people wear masks and hand uh, clean stuff and everything. And and so they are opening up slowly, slowly. But there's there's still strict rules you have to uh, heed to. But uh, it will, I think, um, after after Christmas when they the dates start coming out for the summer and. That's where everyone starts booking up again for the cons and reading. Knock on wood. I hope so. I can't it will. wait. It will. It will. I know my clients are the same. That's where they get all their sales from is the cons. But you see, people didn't realize that this, this medium was available to them all that time. And now they're learning that their readers are out there and they're able to reach them through the uh, web meetings and uh, panels and uh, podcasts and radio and uh, the world is out there and it says you know there's nothing stopping you from chatting to 
to someone over in Africa or chatting to someone over in Thailand about your books, you know. It's uh, when the cons come back and everything tries to go back to normality, never forget that this is always open to you. There's always someone waiting to speak with you and chat with you about your books and to get that message out to the masses, the world, uh, who uh, Babs really is and about your wonderful <laughs> literature. Thank you. That's a great, that's a great advice. Yeah, it's always, yeah, it's always going to be there for you. And it always has been. And that's what I've been uh, teaching a lot of people over this uh, COVID uh, time, but uh, um, how to use Zoom, how to get their books. Uh, um, it's, it's about learning about who the author is before it is about the books. They want to know who you are and why should they spend their money on your books you know right so you're just selling yourself before you sell your books and um yeah the medium radio and, and podcasts there's so many podcasts out now um all you need to do is go on google type in podcasts for authors you'll get your list start contacting them start making some dates get yourself out there Babs. that's great that's uh, i've got, got to do, do that it's there for the taking, you know, it's a, it's a big marketplace that's there for you. And it's a shame if you don't utilize it. But uh, anyway, enough of me with my marketing <laughs> blage and everything. Um, I just can't help myself. <laughs> um, where can people find your books? Uh, they're in the usual places, Amazon.com, uh, Barnes and Noble. You uh, Smashwords, Kobo, iBooks, you name it, they're around. Wonderful, yes. Well done for going wide. Well done for that. It uh, gives the readers the opportunity uh, to buy the book where they want to buy the book and not forced into one place, if you know oh, what yes. I mean, without saying I know exactly it. what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. Go wide. Yay. Um, <laughs> and uh, so where can they find you uh, on social media with either of your pen names? Uh, both pen names have a Facebook page. Uh, there is a, a website slash blog for each one. Uh, the one is at lindyalexander.wordpress.com. Uh, the other is at alana hyphen lorenz.com and uh if they look up i mean i i know you're supposed to keep a small internet footprint but mine is huge so <laughs> if you put in either of those names it will come up all over google and you'll this be able to I track love. me down that's exactly what when they ask me in interviews i say go to google type karina gantas you'll have seventy-four thousand right. things come that's up right. in the last 27 <laughs> years i've been doing this i'm everywhere yeah that's bravo right. bravo babs love that i'll uh, have those links on the uh, audio podcast uh, information so people when they find out what the this episode is about your links will be there as well so it's absolutely thank you so much pleasure meeting you at long last i'm glad you found me <laughs> i am so glad as well all the best with your new books and with the ones you're doing because um you're doing something right so keep on keep on doing that and keep on writing you're amazing I, you inspire me 
So uh, thank all you the best. so much, and I have to say the same about you. So we're all going to out there and take the world over. We we will. Yes, let's go yes. for it. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs>